2020 has been a great year and, uh, and we want to make the most of it and, uh, and ask for God's blessing as we come into a new year. Can we have the house lights up a little bit? I'd like to see who I'm looking at. And so we come and the um, message this morning, living for Jesus and looking at the, um, those verses in Philippians. I'm not going to read them out like they are. I'm going to deal with each one as we come to them. And one of my favourite books of this Bible is the book that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. And uh, I would encourage you, if you have the time, just read the book of Philippians over and over and over again and, and let it just soak into your heart. The book of joy. And, uh, and we can learn a lot from it. And we know another year has gone and a new year has come. And we approach this year, I pray, with an open heart and a desire to know everything that our God has for us, that we want this to be the year where we do nothing else in our lives but seek for ways in which we can honour and please our Lord Jesus. Let him be the focus of all we are and all we want to be. And so that's the challenge I want to bring with you to you today. The great preacher of the 19th century, Henry Beecher, said this, We have passed through one more year, one more long stage in the journey of life, with its ascents and descents and dust and mud and rock and thorns and burdens that wear the shoulder is done. The old year is dead, roll it away, let it go. God in his providence has brought us out of it. It is gone, or rather the evil is gone, its good remains. The evil has perished and the good survives. And now we begin to stand at the beginning of the new. By God's grace, we have been what we have been. And by his grace, we shall know experience and changes in the days ahead. And so we come to a new year and let's look ahead to see what God can do in us and through us for his glory. And that, to me, is the greatest challenge we can have today. I'm going to read this poem for you. And if any of you, you might have seen this. If you haven't, if you'd like a copy of it, we can get it for you. And just listen to these words. I was regretting the past and fearing the future. Suddenly, my Lord was speaking my name is I am. He paused. I waited. He continued. When you live in the past with its mistakes and regrets, it is hard. I am not there. My name is not I was. When you live in the future with its problems and fears, it is hard. I am not there. My name is not I will be. When you live in this moment, it is not hard. I am here. My name is I am. And folk, every one of us, we are living right now in this present moment in our lives. And we want to make this the very best moment we can have in our lives together today. And so I wonder, how are you approaching this coming year? I guess there are a lot of different emotions. There are a lot of different feelings we bring. But this is a new year. 
and we need to leave the past where it has been and under the guidance and the direction of the Holy Spirit say, Lord, we are going to see what you want to do in us this year. Lord, you want to see what you will do in us. We want your wisdom. We want your guidance. And we want our lives to be lives that live to glorify our God. You know, that people might look at us and say, there is something about that person, what have they got that I haven't got? What are they? Who are they? What makes them tick? And we need to be people today who make sure the past is past. And for those of you who've got a copy of my notes this morning, I'm going to drop a couple of things out as I go. So uh, try and catch up with me if you're reading through with me. If you are able to review the year of your life that's just been, or if you are able to review your life in all that you have lived, some of us can't remember back that far, but if we were able to review our life, I wonder what we would see. I wonder if we look back, what triumphs, what joys would we say that was really, really special? I think sometimes we can look back and we can see the struggle and the heartache. And yet we know as we look back, and I believe with hindsight, we can look back and see in the good times God was there, in the tough times God was there, and no matter what happened in our lives, God was there. And we want to thank him for that. I wonder how much of what we have done in our lives thus far has really contributed to making an impact for God and his kingdom. You know, I believe that there are times that we will not know how God has used us until we get to heaven. I think it's amazing the the impact we have upon people and we didn't even know it. I was sharing with Murray Lanham last night how when I was a chaplain of Queensland Cricket, how one of our Australian umpires came and was speaking to me and he made an interesting statement and I didn't even, wasn't even aware of, of this happening and he came to me and he said, Lionel, you have been chaplain of Queensland Cricket for three years and I have watched you all these three years to see how you carried yourself. He said you were a part of the cricket team, but you never got involved in the rubbish they carry on with. And he says, after three years, I want to know what makes you tick. And this guy, we sat down in the, at the Brisbane cricket ground and, and shared the gospel, and, and he just said, I want that gospel. I want that message. And you see, I did not even realise I was being watched. And I was already making an impression before he ever opened my mouth. And I want to tell you today, folk, there are people all around you who are watching you to see whether your life measures up. And they will say, who are you? What makes you tick? I think sometimes, you know, we begin our service with such great desire, but then sometimes we get beaten and broken and left sort of sitting on the side of the road wondering what on earth has happened. I think there are sometimes we lose heart. 
And that's why I come back to us as a church and say we need to be a church that encourages one another. We need to be a church that says, hey, if you're having a struggle, I want to pray for you. I want to lift you up. I want to stand beside you. We need to be a church like that and a people like that. And I think it's in the Moody Institute. There's a statement that says, remember to make sure that the main thing is always the main thing. The main thing is always the main thing. The main thing is to preach Christ. The main thing is to live for Jesus. The main thing is to live by example and our words and show that Christ is still alive and well today. And so I want to go back to these few verses in the book of Philippians and leave you five things. I was told last night that every good sermon has three points. Well, we've got a couple of bonuses. But my my desire and my prayer for us today is this, is that we might individually and corporately live out Philippians 2 verse 5. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And so if my attitude is going to be the same as that of Christ Jesus, it means one thing is that I had better get to know him better. I had better get to know him so much better. And so we look at these five things I want to leave with you this morning. The first one is Philippians 3 verse 10. I want to know Jesus. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. I like the first part, but I'll pass on the second part. I think there are a lot of us, we want the good things, but we believe that if the tough times come, hang on, that can't be of God. And yet there's so many times that God speaks to us far more through the tough times as it does in the good times. You know, I've shared with people how when I was farming, we had one paddock that had a hill in one corner and a big dam down the bottom and a lot of good country around it. And all the years of mustering that particular property, I only ever found the cattle on the hill once. All the growing took place in the valleys. And I would suggest to you today that it's it's fantastic to get up on the mountaintop and have that real experience and look out and say, Wow, isn't this great to look out and see this? But I'm going to suggest, if you look back over your life, a lot of your growing has taken place as you have gone through the valleys and struggles in life because that's where God is shaping us. I've always said that when I read the the Scriptures, you know, every miracle that I see performed in the Scriptures was performed. Why? Because somebody had a problem. So if you want to see some miracles of God happening in your life, work it out for yourself. Get some problems and then you'll see what God can do in you. And if you've got some problems, you know you're a candidate for God's blessing. And if I want to know Christ, Lord, I want all you have for me. You can know about God, and this is what Isabel spoke about this morning. You can know about God, but do you really know him? You can know a lot of people, but do you really know them? And so Paul says, I want to know Jesus. 
You know, Paul's not thinking about what's happened in his past. He's not thinking of what's happening now. He's saying, God, I am so hungry. I want to know you right now. And I want everything you have for me to be poured into my life right now. Lord, I want to know you. As we begin a new year and say, I want to know Jesus, it's a statement that says, Lord, by your power, I will put aside everything that would hinder me from knowing you in your fullness. Lord, my total mindset and my preoccupation will be on Jesus because, Lord, I want to know you. I want your empowering. I want your filling. Lord, I want to be changed. I want to be like Jesus. That was Paul's cry. I want to know you, Lord. I think he knew a lot about the Lord, but he said, Lord, today I want to know you afresh. And then he said a couple of verses later in verse 12, I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. He wrote, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Paul says, even though I'm totally committed to the Lord, I want to be like him more. Have you found that the more you find and know about Jesus, there's more about him you want to know and learn? Lord, give me a hunger within to want to be like you, to want to be like you. I often think, sing sometimes, we, uh, we sing lots of little uh, choruses and things in church and, and I think, I wonder, do we really mean that? You know, one of the little choruses we used to sing, I don't know whether we still sing it, but it says, to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus, all I ask, to be like him, all through life's journey from earth to glory, all I ask, to be like him. Ever sung it? But I wonder if we really mean it. To be like Jesus. All I, I just want to be like you. And I think sometimes we sing the words, but the words don't really grab us in here. To be like you. All I ask to be like him. All through life's journey from earth to glory, all I ask to be like him. And so if I'm going to be like Jesus... I better get to know him better. Lord, it's a day-by-day process. What was Jesus like? What were his characteristics that he showed? And I wrote down about half a dozen of them here. His ability to understand what people were saying. Gee, that'd be great, wouldn't it? You ever talk to somebody and think, that's good, but I haven't got a clue what you said. (laughs) You ever been like that? You know, his, his compassion for people. You know, we can learn as we watch Jesus and see how he cared for people. You know, I've, I've often said to people, you know, that we get frustrated with people and we often invite them to take a long walk on a short pier. But we think, <laughs> Lord, what on earth are you doing? Oh, God, you can show me Compassion. 
Lord, you can show me how I can love people. And at their deepest point of need, Lord, help me to how to reach them. That was your attitude. His patience. You ever need a new dose of, of patience? If it wasn't for people, patience wouldn't be so hard. You know, we, we look at Jesus and we know his love touched the people he met. People just wanted to be with Jesus to appreciate his love. And yet we read, as we read the scripture, we see that he had a never compromising attitude towards sin. It had to be dealt with. And Jesus never compromised on that. And he had that ability to teach in an understandable language. That's nice, isn't it? It's good if people can hear what you're saying and say, hey, that makes sense to me today. And so when I say this year, I want to be more like Jesus, I'm saying I'll do this by being absorbed in his word. I will do this by spending more time in prayer with him, talking with him. And I'll do this by being still in his presence and say, Lord, to be like Jesus, I need to know more of you. But then Paul said in number three, we're doing well, aren't we? Number three, Philippians 3 verse 13, I want to leave the past. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to take, have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I push on. You know, I find myself coming back to this area of life so much. As Christians, we need to be those who leave the past where it belongs. I wonder if we sat and talked with you individually, I wonder how many would say to me, Lionel, you know, there are things that are back here that are still controlling me. There are things that I want to be able to deal with, but for somehow, Lord, these things have such a grip on me that I can't let them go. And they've taken control of my life. You know, I say to people at times, whatever owns you, controls you. And if you are struggling with issues, or if you are struggling with anything, if that's where your focus is, that is what's going to control you today and in your future. And if we're going to leave the past where it is, some of that stuff, folk, we need to take and bring and put on the altar and say, God is yours, I'm going to leave it alone. There's an old hymn we used to sing that says, through many dangers, we still sing it, don't we? Through many dangers, toils and snares, we have already come. Twas grace that brought me safe this far, and grace will lead me home. Folk, I think it's a part of our nature to want to live in the past. You know, we look back and think, there are some good things that happened in the past. Absolutely. But we need to be those who are saying, God, it's like I drive a car, I've got a rear vision mirror, I look in it every now and again because I spend my time looking forward. And I want us to be people that, yes, we look at our past and say, 
God, you've taught me this, 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 and this. You've showed me how you are faithful here, and I'm thankful for your faithfulness. And Lord, right now, I'm going through a tough time, and I remember when you were faithful there, and you'll be faithful today. And Lord, I want to allow the past to give me a vision of what you want to do in me in the future. And if I'm going through some struggles right now, Lord, I see how you've been faithful back here. God, I want to thank you that you are with me in the struggle and we're going to get through this together. Lord, we're going places. I, I think sometimes, I've got down here, the past clings to us like barnacles and hinders us from leaving the shore and pushing on. I think we struggle to get rid of the rubbish. And God says, if you're going to be like me, if you're going to know me better, I want you to take the stuff that's holding you down, leave it where it belongs and get your eyes fixed on me and let's go places together. Uh, this is not on the uh, PowerPoint, but I read this years ago and I think it's so important. And uh, it says this, the pain of the past can cause paranoia for the future, which will cause paralysis in the present. And I think that is so true. The pain of the past can cause paranoia for the future, which will leave me with paralysis in the present. And I wonder sometimes if we're bogged down because we struggle to believe that God can transform our lives right now, today. And this is our opportunity. Paul said in verse 13, I want to make the future count. Wow, isn't that great? I want to know you. I want to be like you. I want to leave the rubbish where it belongs. And Lord, under your guidance, I want to make the future count. I want this year to be a year, oh God, where not only do you transform my heart and soul and spirit, but Lord, that you would in a new way come and take me and use me for your glory. Lord, I'm a candidate for your blessing and I'm just going to so wait on you, say, God, I'm going to trust you to speak in me, speak through me, and Lord, take me and use me for your glory. Lord, I want to trust you. That's what God wants to do with us. And you know something? He wants to do that for us as a church. We are at a, a cusp of a new beginning. And you know something? That I believe under the anointing of God, the Holy Spirit, we're going to see God do things that you know something? We can't even imagine. It's scary to think, God, you're going to take this bunch of people and, Lord, you're going to so transform our lives and you're going to, Lord, live with us who have such a, a desire and a hungry to, to be whole in you that, Lord, for every one of us, you're going to take us and we're going to be Jesus in our community, we're going to be Jesus in our workplace, we're going to be Jesus in our church, and, Lord, we're going to just see this year what Jesus can do in people's lives. And it all is going to come because, Lord, we just say we are candidates and we are open to you for your blessing. 
Lord, pour out your spirit upon us. I was interested when I was doing this preparation, I was reading some 350 years ago when a shipload of travellers went to America and they arrived and the first year they established a town site. The next year they elected a town government. The third year the government planned to build a road five miles into the wilderness. The fourth year they impeached the government because they were wasting their money. And I read that and I thought, you know, isn't it amazing? Now, here are people who had travelled thousands of miles to, to go to, on a new venture. They got there and then they settled for comfortable. You know, I, I think there are times that we are in danger of settling for comfortable. You know, I think if only God would put the birds under our saddles again make us uncomfortable with where we're at and make us have a desire to say, God, I want to be like you. I want to move on. Lord, move me. That's the challenge. Have a vision. You know, have a vision for your own life. Have a vision to see what God can do for you. I know him. I want to be like him. I want to leave the rubbish where it is. I want to look to the future and God, I'm going to trust you like I've never trusted you before. And we're going to see what God can do. Make the future count. Before we can effectively plan for the future, we need to know our present situation. And I think there are times we need to take a Uh, an evaluation of our own life, an inventory of our life, look at ourselves spiritually and say, God, what are you doing in me? How are you changing me? And to say, Lord, where am I really at in my walk with you? Who am I? What am I becoming? Lord, show me me. I've always said to people, when you're travelling, and I know a lot of people travel at this time of the year, and, and no doubt we always carry with us a map. And you know what I've discovered about maps? They are a very essential piece of equipment if you know where you are. (laughs) And if you don't know where you are, it's just a bit of paper. Am I right? Yes. Yes, useless. And so I think one of the things I want to say to you today is, please, folk, make sure you know where you are in your relationship with your Lord. Does God have all of your heart? Does he have you totally in his hands? Does he have you in a place where you are saying, God, I want you to mould me and make me and shape me. Lord, I want to know exactly where I stand with you. And Lord, if I'm not where you want me to do, where you want me to be, Lord, change me. Because I want to be yours. That's what I am today. Because Paul said, although I love that verse in Proverbs, where it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways, and and lean not, and let me start again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. I wonder this morning if we took time. I wonder how many would say to me, Pastor Lionel, we need to learn to trust you again. In my circumstances, Lord, I need to trust you. Lord, in my spiritual journey, I need to trust you. 
In my struggles, Lord, I need to trust you. Lord, show me today how to trust you. But then Paul finishes up by saying in verse 14, I want to win the prize. I want to win the prize. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. With everything the world has to offer, what is your greatest possession? It's a good thing to think about, isn't it? You know, if I talk to kids, let's take away their iPads and all these things and good grief, we're in trouble. But what's your greatest possession? I wrote here, I'm going to read this. If it is not your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, your ongoing spiritual growth and development and your desire to please God through your service, you might win a prize, but it won't be the prize of God's choice. Folk, our greatest priority today is that we make our Lord the greatest possession we can ever have in our life. In our life, Lord, take me. Take me and use me. I read in an OMS newsletter how, uh, I don't even know what country it was in, it was in one of the Asian countries, and, and they were taking up the offering and, uh, and they were taking up the offering and the, and the minister had been saying that God wants all of you. He wants you totally surrendered to him. And today, as we take up the offering, what will you give him? And as they, they took up the offering, there was a little guy sitting on the front seat and as, as the offering box came past, he got in it. <laughs> he got in it. Maybe we need to take up another offering today. Because I think, folks, there are places where we need to say, God, I'm going to get in the bucket and I'm going to be all you want and be totally yours. Paul is reminded of the runners in the Grecian games. You know, he's very much aware of their single-mindedness of purpose to train wholeheartedly for those games. They would train for years to win a prize, which was a wreath of parsley. Man, they're desperate, aren't they? Yeah, that's, that's what they're trained for. And the, and the winner's prize was a wreath of parsley, which they'd probably wear and it'd be, it'd be no good the next day. It'd be all mouldy and limp. But they were so focused achieving their goal. And I think there are times where God would look at us and say, do you have such a single purpose where you are totally focused on becoming the person God wants you to be? I will leave all the stuff there that are, that's not going to help and my mind is going to be totaled, focused on the Lord because I want to be the best I can be for Jesus. It's interesting, Paul then probably thinking back and, and he realised 
how diligent he was in persecuting the Christians. He didn't like them a whole bunch. And he was adamant that they were going to pay for it. But then he just sort of happened to have a meeting with Jesus on the road to Damascus. And Paul's life was totally transformed. And then Paul said, I will have exactly the same ardent desire to serve God as I did when I worked against him. And I think as we become Christians and as we grow in our faith, we recognise we have got gifts and we've got abilities and we're going to say to God today, I not only want to be the very best I can before you, but Lord, I want you to light a fire in my heart so that there's nothing I will not do if you challenge me to do it. Lord, pick me out of my comfort zone. And we can move on and know God is with us in that because he says, I'm going to win the prize and we're going to make this together. You know, I think there are, as I I look at life, there are many, many occasions where we can find ourselves battered and broken on the shore of discontent. We can find life experience just leaves us, ah, I've got nothing more to give. I think there are times that we can feel physically worn out. I think we can go through emotional sickness. We can go through physical sickness and we can feel, Lord, you know the tanks run dry. And God says, you know, it's okay to take time to rebuild and recuperate and then get back into harness. I think it's appropriate that we take time to to make sure we give ourselves the the opportunity to be the healthiest believers we can be. But once we do that, let's not get comfortable, but let's get back into service again because God still got a lot for us to do. And so this morning I've given you five lists of wants. What were they? Now, if the kids remember these, Isabel might have a lolly for you. I might go ahead and get one first because I know them. (laughs) Number one. What was number one? He's got them up there, hasn't he? (laughs) Get the lollies out, Isabel. I want to know Jesus. That's the first thing. I want to be like Jesus. And I want you to take these and think about them. I want to leave the past where it belongs. I want to make the future count. And I want to win the prize. Because, Lord, I want to honour you with my life. I wonder, could you take these five things I mentioned this morning and say, God, I want those five things to be my heart's desire today as I go into this new year. I wonder, at this new year, Will you allow God to do the work in your heart that will transform your life afresh and set you free to go serve him? And all I'd say is this, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. Lord, I give you my life, an offering, Lord, make me the person you want me to be. And then, Lord, I give you permission to use me for your glory. And God, 
we want to stand here in another 360 odd days and say, wow, God, look what you did this year. And I pray that at the end of 2020, that we're going to hear some testimonies of how God has worked in your life. And you're going to be able to say, Lord, you are a good, good God. God bless you, folks. Thank you, David.